It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Student enrollment is up across the board at University of Alaska campuses, including the University of Alaska Southeast and the Sitka campus. The news of nearly 5% growth system-wide came during the Board of Regents meeting last week. University officials found it a welcome relief after a five-year downward trend in student enrollment. College enrollment has declined nationally over the last decade, particularly during the COVID-19 pandemic. As reported in the Alaska Beacon, Regent Karen Perdue said there's still work to do. What's reflected here is the confidence of the public in the ability of the university that we didn't have over the past several years. Purdue's remark was an indirect comment on Governor Dunleavy. The state cut funding to the university by $55 million from 2019 to 2022, largely driven by pressure from the governor. More recently, state spending rose by $47 million in the budget year that ended in June. University of Alaska Fairbanks Chancellor Daniel White said the budget cuts reduced Alaskans' confidence in UA education. Less than half of college-bound Alaska high school students attended college in state in the last two years, according to a study by the Alaska Commission of Post-Secondary Education. But UA chancellors boasted of full student residences and bustling campuses in the first days of the new school year. They urged the regents to invest in continued growth by modernizing campuses and empowering educators. No one was hurt during last month's record flooding in Juneau, but a cat named Leo went missing when a home collapsed in the Mendenhall River. But as KTOO's Katie Anastas reports, he's now home safe. Elizabeth Wilkins rented the White House on Riverside Drive that fell into the river. She spent the last month looking for a new place to live. She's also been looking for Leo, a black and white cat with yellow eyes. You can come over. Come on over. This is about you. (laughs) He's pretty great. Leo had been missing since last month's flood. On Thursday, she found him. Now, they're sitting together on the floor of a cabin out the road. Wilkins says reuniting with Leo has provided a break from the stress of the last several weeks. Yesterday, we couldn't stop like laughing because it it just felt really good, like like this release to just be like, oh my gosh, this is like the best thing that anyone's ever heard in, in, in at least a month, you know. It's nice to have good, some good news. David Albert adopted Leo with Wilkins during the pandemic. He says Leo seems relieved too. He, he, he slept hard last night and uh, he was just a little snuggle bug. Like every time I'd sit, he'd come over and sit on my lap and sleep on my chest. And he's just so happy to be among family again. Wilkins and Albert were both out of town during the flooding, but they watched the viral video of the house collapsing into the river. They think all the noise made Leo run away before it fell in. I watched the video of the house over and over again, just to like calculate, just to like figure out, A, what was it like to be in it? And is, would it, is it possible that he's okay? Or is it impossible? And I look, just looking at the video, that, you know, the disaster that that was, it was hard to imagine that anybody could be okay. Still, Wilkins spent the next few weeks scrolling through photos posted by Juno residents trying to help people find their missing cats. Then on Thursday, someone posted a photo of a black and white cat in her yard in a Juno Facebook group. He had a distinctive black spot on the back of his right leg. 
we had been analyzing all these black and white cat photographs and that this time it was him for sure. Wilkins teaches at Montessori Borealis and Juno Community Charter School. After school on Thursday, she went looking for Leo at the woman's house, less than a mile from her former home. She called his name and Leo came running out. Leo is no Frady cat. He was rescued from an abandoned building and he still spends a lot of time outside. Wilkins thinks it served him well this last month. I think he has been using his best survival skills. Um, he is a good hunter. Still, Albert says Leo has lost some weight. He's on an all-you-can-eat diet now. Wilkins is house-sitting for friends while she looks for a more permanent place to live. She's considering all her options, including a camper van, a tiny home, or even a sailboat. She's hopeful something will work out. Leo purrs on the couch next to her and Albert. This is just like a little glimmer of hope or life, a little tiny good news in this otherwise really, really sad and catastrophic story. Leo has already caught a mouse since he got home. But between his outdoor excursions, he's lounging on the couch and enjoying his kibble, happy to be back with his favorite humans. In Juneau, I'm Katie Anastas. A package of sedimentary rocks along the middle section of the Yukon River could get its own name. As KYUK's Emily Schwing reports, a research team spent three weeks digging into the fine-grained details of sandstones and siltstones that line the river banks. And what they found is something special. In the final week of a three-week field expedition, a team of scientists breaks out Alaska's geologic map. The group's trying to find a package of 100 million year old rocks exposed along the Yukon River Bank. And before we get too deeply into this, let's talk about what a package of rocks is. It's not something you put a bow on. It's a specific group of rocks that share the same characteristics. In this case, they're layered like a cake and stacked high in many spots along the river. It's all Cretaceous, which is the most important part. Um, University of Alaska Fairbanks geologist Paul McCarthy says the state's geologic map isn't precise. And that's okay because, you know, if you're mapping a large area at a big scale, you're not stopping on every beach and you're not stopping at every outcrop. And um, sometimes from 100 yards out in a boat going by, they look pretty much the same. He says it's been almost 40 years since anyone else has nosed up to the rocks in the way he has this summer. It's one of those kind of Alaskan things where knowing about this being here and actually being able to get money to come all the way out here to do the work is not that easy. So, um, and there's no oil and gas or mineral reason to be out here doing the work. So. It's, um, it makes it even harder to justify coming out for just the, the pure joy of science. But, uh, but here we are, and it's, it's that, I, I like that. Back in the 1980s, geologists may also have simply flown over the region in a helicopter. They probably didn't get out and look at every exposed outcrop. That's why McCarthy is here. We haven't, I won't say we've measured every outcrop and looked at every beach along this 100-mile stretch, but we've looked at most of them. And so we have detailed information and a pretty good handle on what's here and what makes it up and what it looks like. 
McCarthy and colleagues traveled more than 100 miles along the Yukon River. The goal is to understand how dinosaurs lived in Alaska's interior during the early Cretaceous. For his part, McCarthy was tasked with defining the ancient reptiles' preferred habitat. On a steep slope about a dozen meters above the river's edge, he uses a measuring tape to find the thickness of each stacked yellow sandstone and gray siltstone exposed within this bluff. What are you finding here, Paul? This is a big river channel. Um, about 12 meters thick. When sedimentary rocks form, they lock in the story of the place. That means McCarthy is able to uncover really specific details that are preserved in the rocks, and then he can recreate that story. And um, so it's kind of like a, a meandering channel, and then uh, it's slowly being abandoned. So kind of it was migrating away, and these rippled sands are um, interbedded with organic-rich floodplain material. So it's kind of like the same sort of landscape you would see nowadays if you flew over and you saw those braided channels and abandoned oxbow lakes and things like that. Yeah, meandering channels and oxbow lakes and vegetated floodplain. That's exactly what it is. This package of rocks is unique enough to this stretch of the Yukon River that the team believes they may be able to name it. And that would be a first for McCarthy, who's traveled Alaska looking at the state's rocks for the last four decades. Along the Yukon River, I'm Emily Schwing. I'm Brooke Schieffer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a look at the weather for Sitka for today, Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. A 50% chance of rain, mainly after 7 a.m. Patchy fog before 10 a.m. Otherwise, mostly cloudy with the high near 57. East winds 5 to 10 miles per hour, becoming south in the morning. Tonight, rain likely, mainly after 1 a.m., cloudy with a low around 53, south wind around 10 miles per hour, chance of precipitation is 60%. And looking forward to tomorrow, Thursday, September 7th, 2023, rain high near 58, southeast winds around 10 miles per hour, chance of precipitation is 100%. You're tuned into your community radio station, Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Good morning. Mm-hmm.